Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Hello, everyone. We are coming at you late on a Sunday night um, to discuss this week's Parsha, Shlach Lecha. And we're going to do something a little bit different than we normally have with our class. First of all, because it's just Rabbi Shapiro and I, and not an entire audience. So we're going to skip the Kushiot portion. Um, but we're going to talk about a concept that comes up in this week's Parsha. And um, though we might bring up a few different commentaries, we're, we're really just going to have a conversation, Rabbi Shapiro and I, about the general concept of tzitzit. So I'm going to let Rabbi Shapiro... Um, kind of introduce where this comes in this week's Parsha, uh, and then we'll jump right in to the third paragraph of the Shema, which is found in Numbers 15, verse 37. So Bamidbar 15, verse 37 is where it begins. I hope you guys have carved out a lot of time, because as we were getting ready to start uh, recording this, Rabbi Schatz said that she could talk about seat seat for days. True, so but I, we won't. I hope I hope you have cleared your schedule for, for days the, for the remainder of the weekend because <laughs> buckle up, you're going to be hearing a lot about seat seat from Rabbi Schatz. Um, so yeah, this section comes uh, at the very very end of the parsha. This parsha is, of course, most famous for. Uh, the narrative about the spies who go in and scout the land, um, whether or not that was a good idea to begin with, is under debate. Um, and they go in and uh, five out of six spies say, don't go for it, um, which was not the right response. And that narrative takes up um, most of the Parsha. There are a few other sections. Um, interestingly, you know, the the... Section on tzitzit, the third paragraph of the Shema, is only a couple of verses long, so it doesn't take up much of the Parsha. Um, interesting that, by the way, um, I will give um, 10 Exploring the Parsha bonus points hmm. if anyone can identify the mystery sound happening in the background <laughs> of this recording. They might not be able to even hear it. No. All, all making those bonus points all the more valuable. Okay. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of different pieces in the Parsha after the narrative of the spies. Um, in the verses just leading up to uh, this section, there is um, the narrative about the man gathering wood on the Sabbath day, mm-hmm. um, which... Which people always think is a midrash, which I think is so interesting. Like People always think that that's a midrash on Shabbat, but it's actually in the Torah. Not a midrash and a pro tip for those keeping score at home. Don't gather wood on Saturdays if you're living in the Torah. It's not <laughs> going to go well for you. Um, so this man gathers wood on the Holy Sabbath, and he is, in fact, stoned to death. Uh, not a Shabbat Shalom for him. Um, so it's it's just interesting on that individual and that collective level yeah. that we then move into this idea of seat mm-hmm. seat. Um, and remembering needs foe based on that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that and that the whole point of the enterprise is to remember the meets vote. So um you guys you guys probably know these verses, but uh 
we're, we're breaking with too many traditions to not hold fast to the ones of actually hearing the verses themselves. Um, much to Rabbi Schatz's chagrin, I will restrain, what's the word? Restrain myself. There we are. Uh, and not chant the verses. Oh, so you I, could. So I could, but I shan't. Uh, although reading them in the Hebrew will probably be hard not to chant them. Yeah, I think you should. I'm going to restrain myself. Okay. I could um, chant them. Would you like to? Would you like me to? Uh, I obviously <laughs> would. I will, I will translate oh. as you chant. Okay. How's that? And the Lord spaketh to Moses, <laughs> saying as follows. Ye verily speaketh unto the people of Israel and say to them, Make for yourselves... Tzitzit, I'm going to intentionally untranslate that, uh, leave that untranslated. Um, place tzitzit on the corners of your garments uh, for all your generations. Place those uh, tzitzit. Place those um, Place within <coughs> them. Um, place them as a fringe on the corner. Place the tzitzit on the corner with uh, a cord of blue. Um, and those will be your tzitzit. I'm going to keep not translating that word. You shall look upon them and remember all of the mitzvot of God. Um, and you shall, you shall do them, do those mitzvot, Ben Israel, and you shall not, uh, f- follow after your heart and after your eyes that you, how, how, how harsh should we translate Zonim, Rabbi Schatz? How harshly should yeah, we I translate? I think lustful is okay. Well, it says, it says, uh, the nice translation is, you shall not follow after your heart and eyes and your lustful urge, but mm-hmm. the word zonah is literally uh, prostitute, right? That yeah. You, that you stray after. And thus you shall be reminded to observe all of the mitzvot, and ye verily through that you shall be kadosh holy to the Lord your God. Nice, nice repetitive verse there for you. I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt uh, to be your God. I, the Lord, am God. It sounds much better when you chant it than when I translate it, Rabbi Shouts. <laughs> I've had more practice. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> um, okay, so... We're going to, we want to talk a little bit about just like this concept of tzitzit. Um, and do you want to start with your more formal thing or do you want me to go I'm ahead? I'm feeling very informal. Okay, great. I'll start. Um, so one of the things, some of you probably were actually there when I spoke about um, talit and tefillin and just like women taking on male-dominated mitzvot um, at the beginning of the pandemic, actually with Rabbi Shapiro's wife, 
Rabbi Sarah Baruch. Um, and one of the things that I find very compelling about tzitzit is that it is a garment to actually physically be a reminder. So similar to tefillin, though tefillin you don't wear any longer. There were people who used to wear it all day long, um, that we do not wear um, tefillin all day, every day to remind us of those mitzvot. But tzitzit, as you just heard in the translation, is supposed to be on any garment that has four corners so that you are doing all this remembering. And I think there is something... Did you, have, you ever, have you ever tried wearing tzitzit? What do you mean? Did you ever wear it? Did you ever put it on? Like a talus or tzitzit? Tzitzit. No. No. Not your thing? I just, I, I mean, this is in the category of like meets vote that I know I could take on as a egalitarian female rabbi, but just in my mind is still such a like yeshiva bucher, like male mitzvah. You know who wore TT for a while? Rabbi Machavero. Sure did. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, for a little in while. In rabbinical school? Mm-mm. Oh. For a little while, high, high school. Oh, wow. Very briefly in college. It was a big thing in the musicals. You would not, a big thing, not a big thing. <laughs> nope, not a big thing. <laughs> On stage, More Ravish plays would than musicals. You oh, know sorry, that. sorry. Uh, Ravish has only recently <laughs> learned that I did theater in high school and college, which is fascinating exciting. to me that she didn't know that or even intuit that yeah. uh, and continues to be a source of great <laughs> enjoyment for her that I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, was Enjoyment for me when I did that, um, but no, I wore I wore CT for a little while. Hmm. I, I I gotta tell you, do you know what two re- two core reasons why why I why I stopped doing it that had nothing to do with spirituality or religious practice. Um, one, very difficult in the laundry. Yes, very difficult in the laundry. Yeah. Two, without getting too much into it. Very difficult to navigate in the bathroom. Yeah. Very difficult. Yeah. It feels like you're, you're, you know, just like you gather them up to Dobbin. Right, right. You know, we can, we can stop there. Well, Very it's inconvenient. Inter- it's interesting that you say that because I know, I know that the men who do wear them in my life, um, have very different practices of how they wear them. So like some of the men that I know wear them tucked into their pants. Right. So I don't even know that they wear them unless they've told me. Right. Some of them wear them tucked into their um, pockets so that like they're out of their pants, but not, not like dangling out. Right, right. Um, and then Josh, Rabbi Josh Roshowski, um, because of the word Oto, um, I'm trying to find where it is in the verses, or maybe it's, yeah, Oto, here it is. Um, he, he once learned, and if he listens to this, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, that, that the idea is that if it's saying, Oto, that's just one aspect of the tzitzit not all of them so he just has one little string hang out oh, um the rest of them are tucked in so nice idiosyncratic i like that yeah and so but but again to go back even even like the bathroom example or the laundry example like you have an awareness of the meets vote in wearing them so much so that it can become a burden but like it's still it's still a recognition of those meets folk by wearing them. 
right. which I only experience when I wear a tallis in the morning because I, I don't wear a tzitzit. Right. Um, by the way, just so we can clarify, because some of this might not be intuitive, when we're talking about tzitzit, we're talking about any garment that has four corners that you would put fringes on, whereas a talit is its own garment that also has tzitzit on it. Um, so when we'd say tzitzit, we're talking about like what we would probably know as today in the 21st century, a tzitzit katan, which goes under your clothes typically, um, as opposed to a tali, which goes over your clothes. Right. Which is also interesting because most of the time the, the clothing that I wear doesn't have four right. corners on it. Yeah. Right. So there's, right. there's not necessarily like a hue. There's not necessarily an yeah. obligation. Like I am not chas v'shalem. I don't want anyone listening to the think that I would transgressing a mitzvah. Don't want anyone to worry. Don't worry. I'm doing okay. Um, but it, it's only specifically in a scenario, or as I used to say when I was young, scenario, uh, only in a scenario where um, a garment has uh, yeah. four corners, which my garment set, right? Like the shirt I'm wearing right now has zero corners. It's just a regular shirt. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm not obligated to... Put tzitziot upon it. Right, which is different than how it used to be when, when ostensibly the Torah was written, that people were wearing more like tunic style outfits. And so they had flaps. Like, in fact, when we, when we read in the Gemara or even the Shulchan Aruch, when, wow, we're going back to the bathroom quite a bit today. But when we talk about bathroom, um, kind of etiquette, um, they talk about the flaps of your garment needing to go up in front of you and behind you to be discreet in the bathroom. So garments back in those days clearly did have Four garments, I think, more regularly than we have today. Today, I feel like the only cornered, I don't even know if it would be four, but cornered garment that you might wear is like a poncho style. Which I do wear often. We do do. Rabbi Shapiro does walk around the office in ponchos all the time. Um, but that would kind of be the only garment, right? Sometimes so it's also interesting. Shirts. Sometimes there's like a polo shirt or something that'll be cut so that there's like... That's true. That's true. But it is interesting that like to go back to what the Torah is saying then... Like, should we in the 21st century be coming up with other ways to then be remembering these mitzvot? Well, and so this is the question that I, I mean, it's an interesting question for me and ask it as a question for you. I'll ask it as a question and share an anecdote while you think about it so as not to totally put you on the spot. But like, it, it is an interesting question. Like, what are the, like, writ large, right? Like, yeah. what are the things that we do um, to remind ourselves of the mitzvot to mm-hmm. remind ourselves of the way of life that was leading, right? Mm-hmm. Like for me, even though I don't wear on, I do wear a kippah every day. Um, even with, now, ladies and gentlemen. Well, even, even now, that's true. Even though you can't see him. Uh, it's true. Even when you can't see me, I exist and I'm wearing kippah, <laughs> object permanence and ritual consistency, both mm. things. Um, so I'm curious for you, yeah. my shots, like if you have a construct for what that is for you, since break it to you folks, she is neither currently wearing a kippah or <laughs> as far as I'll see. Um, but if, uh, while Rabbi Schatz mulls that head scratcher over them to answer for queued up and ready to go, um, I will say I remember very clearly <clears throat> in the year that we learned in Israel, um, in rabbinical school, Rabbi Shmuel Lewis, one of the 
the, the wisest and most um, really brilliant teachers who I've learned Torah from, um, just period. Um, I remember a few different teachings of his quite well. One of was, I remember very clearly, he took great issue with the custom that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, and, and probably some of you even do, which is the gathering up of the tzitzit mm, mm-hmm. uh, in the paragraph leading into the Shema, mm-hmm. right? That when you say Marabat and Fotaharat, people like gather up their tzitzit. Like, it's lovely, like the, the four fringes on the talit representing the four corners of the earth as described. Um, and his, his whole point was like that the, the point of the tzitzit is that you should have two in front and two in back. Mm. And if you gather them all up all in front. to comment, uh, like to, mm. to make the point about it's easy, they're all in front. So when mm. you're com- when you're when you're like observe when you're kissing them, yeah, you're you're having them all in front, which is dafka, the opposite of what mm. they're supposed to have. To. So so if you so I remember that very clearly. If yeah. you ever see me in Shul, for those who remember, Shul is a physical place where we go and gather <laughs> to pray in non-pandemic times. We're getting back there. If you ever see me in Shul davening, which you know, happens one in Blue Moon. Um, if you ever see me during Shachri being into the Shema, thanks to that teaching from Meb Shmuel, hmm. I will only actually have the two, the two in the, the front. Two in the front. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I, I, I think, I think that there's, well, okay, I'll answer your question with, Kind of like I'll kind of rabbi the answer for a second. Oh, you're gonna turn it back around. No, no, on no. Me. no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. Ugh, rabbis. <laughs> I'm not, but I am gonna answer it by by kind of leading us in a different direction first, and then I'll come back to it. The last line of this is reminding us that we were brought out of the land of Egypt by God, and that that's one of those things that we need to remember. Um, when also remembering the meets vote, right? Because ostensibly the meets vote came from God. And therefore, if we remember that God took us out of Egypt, then, then God must have created these meets votes so that we can be closer to God in doing as well as in remembering. And I just happened to look down, um, I'm looking at an Eitz Chaim Chumash currently, and it says that in, um, the Babylonian Talmud, in, I assume this stands for Menachot, because I can't think of another tractate that has M-E-N as the beginning, but on page 43b that um, it says that seeing leads to remembering and remembering leads to doing. Remember that you are servants of the Almighty from whom you received commandments. The purpose of remembering is not to shape our belief, but to guide our behavior. So to get back to your question based on that, because I was going to say that I think... I think less about like seeing the seat seat for me is more the actions that I take daily to remember the mitzvot that I'm doing or remember the mitzvot that I'm supposed to be doing, I mm-hmm. guess. So like keeping kosher on Shabbat, keeping Shabbat, um, being kind to my family, being kind to my friends, taking care of our planet, like all the things that I think are important mitzvot, um, no, not coveting something that someone else has like th- those kinds of those kinds of pieces of my life I think do exactly what the tzitzit do but only if I remember to do them so when I when I work with conversion students a lot I say 
the number one thing that's hardest for conversion students often and not all the time is keeping kosher. Right. And so I say like, you can't go cold Turkey, no pun intended. You have to, cold turkey's kosher. You, <laughs> cold turkey is kosher. Uh, unless well, not you shafted, should go cold Turkey. Unless not shafted, of all the things to do, you could do worse than cold Turkey. It's true. Cold ham. Um, but, but to really take steps, because if you don't take those steps, you won't actually know what the process is of being part of the mitzvah. You'll just decide, oh, this works for me or, oh, this doesn't work for me. So I think similar to, similar to the wearing of seat seat, for me, it's just the, the daily recognition or the daily decision making, um, of recognizing that it's not just about the mitzvah that I'm doing right now, but that that mitzvah is part of something so much larger that there are other mitzvot that I could be doing and should be doing. Right. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, like, look, there's no one way to eat a Reese's, right? Like, whatever works. I think for me, it's it's helpful when there is a specific physical thing. Right, right. Right? And I think that is something that even though... Well, but isn't that, like, different plates and different utensils and a mezuzah on your door? Could be, right, so so mezuzah, right? But, like, I do think there is also, like... The tzitzit on the garment in it for the relatively brief one. Right? Yeah. There, there is something to, I mean. Uh, or I'll for also, your kippah, you can use that as a Correct, right, right. Yeah. I think similarly, I think, I think there was in my adolescent brain, which has evolved, you know, a, a little bit. <laughs> um, but like in my adolescent brain, there was like a little bit of ostentatious. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. like look, look at how. Look at how observant I am. Sure. Like, I think there was a little bit of that to it. Yeah. Um, I think there was like earnestness to it. And I think there was a desire to, you know, do, do the, um, well, it's but, interesting not to take you off your topic no, too far, no. but, but it is, it is interesting to also think about how, and we were just talking about this earlier, actually, just in terms of like kids and their development stages of, of dress that, that it is interesting that seat seat are supposed to be this, this very physical um, outward demarcation of I am Jewish, I follow meets vote, which in today's world, when we're very conscious of both not talking about clothing based on gender, but also are very aware of how clothing is a, um, is an expression of one's identity, right? right? That that, that tzitzit in a certain way, I guess, was kind of like ahead of its time. I was going to say not gender-wise, but maybe also because it was very specific for men. But but that it but that it is something that very much so on the outside kind of brands you in a in a good way to say like this is something I'm taking on so much so that it's on the outside of me and not just on the inside. Yeah. No. I I think. I, I don't know what, the, what whoever wrote the Torah was thinking when they put this in there, but but I do think there is very much, and we've talked about this sort of with in, in a few different ways, you know, with all of its choose and blessings, like demarcating oneself as different, right, right, right. and and how that can be a, a lovely thing and how that can be a really challenging thing. Yeah, I, I think there's also something uh, along with that to the physicality of it, and and. In your response, right, you're talking about some things that do have physicality, but something more abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that comes to mind with me, I mean, I, have I been referring to Beit Shiva stuff more or less lately? I feel like less, less, really. I, oh, I, I think the same so. one. Um, 
<laughs> Part of it is these these verses. Rabbi Mark Gorovitz, founding rabbi of Beit Shuba, would lean very hard on like the prostituting after verse. Oh, like, I, do, I wondered why you stopped on yeah, that. Yeah, Interesting. No, yeah, yeah. I think I think Rabbi Mark. I go, I go Rabbi Mark on that. Hmm. Like like really leaning hard into the the ways sort of follow after the way like. I could, you could talk about tzitzit for days. I could go on this specific piece of tzitzit mm. for days in terms of following after the impulsive part of you mm. and how that leads you astray. I've like, never thought about that before. Rather than staying connected to, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, I, I could go off on that for a while. And, and specifically, I remember very, very clearly talking with people who don't know when you go to, to 12 step meetings, when you have alcoholics anonymous meetings, you have chips, right? Right. And the, like, what's the point of the chip, right? You know mm-hmm. how many days, you know, if you've been sober a day, you know, mm-hmm. if you've been sober 30 days, mm-hmm. you know, but, but there's a, there's a physicality to mm-hmm. it. There, 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 there's something, tan- right? It's one thing to have in your head. I've been sober for 30 days. It's another thing entirely to look at the chip and say, oh, I've been, and, and, and yeah. like, hat, like it, it anchors you. Yeah. Right. There, there is something to the, the physicality to the, to the concreteness of a physical object that takes an abstract mm-hmm. concept and brings it in a more concrete way mm-hmm. um, in terms of making like a spiritual values-based commitment to something. Right. <clears throat> doesn't have to be titi. doesn't have to be a 30-day chip from the AA. It doesn't have to be a kippah. It doesn't have to be a mezuzah. But I think, you know, um, Haibani... In contrast to like the sort of very abstract <laughs> pieces we were talking about last week, I think because of that, I think because this stuff can be so abstract, finding the concrete observances, finding the concrete things that that we do, you know, we talk about this often when we think of them as a, yeah. you know, as a religious civilization, as a sort of lived socio-behavior, uh, spiritually-based way of living, um, that... We talk about it behaviorally, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about it in very concrete ways, mm-hmm. not just this sort of abstract faith commitment. Um, and this is definitely one of them, right? Which not everybody does, but the construct, I think, still holds value. And even for those of us, whether because we don't often wear four-cornered garments or it is not uh, aligned with our gender identity and therefore are we, we don't see ourselves as obligated to it, right? For those of us, neither of us wear... Tell the Catan folks is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but, but even if we don't do that, I think it's still maybe that much more of a question, um, in terms of thinking about what, what might this for us, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I, <laughs> complete, well, not complete tangent, I guess, but you mentioned the chips and the only chip I've ever received was from Rabbi Mark Borowitz when I visited Beit Shuva as a, rabbinical student and I've never put two and two together because he didn't give it to us and say like oh when you go to AA you get a chip what you, but he what, was what do you mean didn't put it together what? he didn't like he didn't just handed you a piece of plastic no it was no it's wood and it says you matter on it and it was just interesting he gave it to all of us and it's still in my wallet uh, but I really yeah do you have it now but in my wallet's not on me but but, but yeah, it's, it's like a very interesting, I had never put those two things together, but, but it's so true that, that you like a memento from anywhere, right? Like I'm going to San Francisco tomorrow. Like I'm sure I'll bring something back from San Francisco, not because it's such a 
like grand trip and like that I need to bring something back, but because and coming out of a pandemic, I think any yeah, trip is pretty that's, grand. That's true. But that like you want to bring a piece of something back with you. So you yeah. have a physical aspect of it. And, and while you were talking, I was thinking about how the days that I don't wear, and this is now not CC, this is tefillin, but the days that I don't wear tefillin for whatever reason, my shirt won't, my shirt sleeve won't go up above my elbow. My hair is wet. I mean, all the problems that women have that men don't have when it comes to wearing tefillin, if that's something you do. My hair is um, sometimes wet. I have wet hair sometimes. But you can dry it easier than I can. It's true. It's still sometimes. Um, and some women have short hair and they can dry it easier. I'm just saying those are our, those are problems I've come across. Um, Sometimes my sleeves but, don't go up either. But the, day, the days that I don't wear... Not helpful? Tefillin, not helpful. I mean, it is sort of helpful. The days that I don't wear tefillin, there is something that feels different about my prayer practice. Now, yeah. sometimes it's that I feel more comfortable and I can have more kavanah because I don't have straps digging into my skin which is sometimes i think you're doing it not to mansplain you but but, but, I, think but, but I think if it's digging into your skin no, because, like, so the, much so that you can't dive and you're doing it wrong. no because like the box piece sometimes it no, just digs in. okay anyway we don't have to go into this right now we can talk about it another time but i do i do one think, ritual object at a time <laughs> But I do think I very rarely don't have a talisman when I should. But I do think that that those objects are things that bring me closer to a davening experience yeah. than if I didn't have them. Um, and yeah. and the I feel like a talit is one of these things that if we didn't have. If we didn't have a talit, especially while we were doing the Shema, like, I, I don't know, I guess I've just gotten so used to, as you were saying, like gathering the tzitzit or like bringing them to your eyes or whatever, that, that it would be very interesting to not have that physical aspect of saying the Shema without the tzitzit to remind you of those mitzvot while you're saying such a quintessential prayer. Yeah. No, we... I appreciate I, I appreciate that we have those like the, the, those physical ways of anchoring our spiritual practice. You know, we we can get very intellectual and very abstract, and I think that like like that 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 that's why it's that much more important for us to yeah you know. And and look, I I also think um, I don't know I don't know exactly what seat seat or fill in or you know insert long-standing jewish ritual object here looked like 2500 plus years ago right but it is cool to think that like if there was some in addition to the words that we say in addition to right yeah there was some version of that yeah right there was there was some version of that thousands of years ago that you know we still have jews jews were doing back in you know right in, in, insert uh, long-standing you know, settlement here and, and, you know, go with that. I will just share one, um, and then we can wrap up if you want, but I, I will just I share... Didn't get to, I didn't get to share Oh, you can my, share your piece for it. My groovy, my groovy thing that I found. So, 
Um, I learned this. I do. I do. After I share mine. Um, I learned this really beautiful teaching about tzitzit actually from David Moss, who's an incredible artist um, and was actually just part of the program that Leah put together called Let There Be Art. Um, But uh, but he is also a Jewish educator and um, he is the father of Ariella Moss Petersile. And um he shared with me once that do Rabbi. Say, do you want to say who that is? Like not everyone. Oh, I. Oh, she's the camp director of Camp Ravon, Ohio, and, and also a member. I was getting there. And also a member of Temple Beth Am, um, who we missed this year, and we look forward to having back in a lot. soon. Yes, though she gets to be in Israel with her whole family and with David Moss. Okay, full circle. <laughs> anyway, so David Moss at Camp Ramah taught um, a teaching about tzitzit. That Rabbi Shimshon Raphael Hirsch asked the question, why, uh, what? I always delight uh-huh. when we quote Shimshon Raphael Hirsch because if he knew, Rabbi Rebecca Schatz, well, if I like, he knew, when I, when I close the Lubavitcher Rebbe, it's even better. Ra- yeah. I, I think it's a close, close I mean, yeah, if Shimshon Raphael Hirsch knew that he was being quoted by, by you yes. on a podcast, he'd be so proud. He would um, be having big feelings as big feelings, yeah. Rabbi Shimshon Raphael Hirsch would say. Um, he wouldn't say that. No. So Maybe he he, he talked about how if you think about you big a strand of tzitzit, there's okay. a knotted portion and there's a um, free flowing portion, right? Like the strands at the end are not are not knotted, but the the stuff at the top is. And so the question that he asked is, why are the free-flowing um, strands longer than the knotted portion? Like if you if you are tying tzitzit in the traditional Ashkenazi way, the knotted portion is like one third of the tzitzit, and then the strands are are longer. Um, you can all try this out at home. Uh, if you have Ashkenazi tzitzit. Um, and the answer those is just... Those are tzitzit who like gefilte fish. <laughs> those are the tzitzit who like gefilte fish. And but any, this is such and, a beautiful and any of all And any and all types of, of Bagels pickle, and lox. Just herring. Okay, so... Although interestingly, the, oh, Sarah, God. who is not Ashkenazi, Correct. as we know... Yes. Um... She likes sardines, which I've never had and never, never. Is it sardine? Sardines or anchovies? Anchovies. Anyway, we can ask her another time. Um, or you can ask her now. Um, I'm going to text her. I'll see you back. So the answer that he gives to, to just remind us what I was just talking about before we talked about Ashkenazi fish um, is that the tzitzit have the knotted portion and the strands, and the knotted portion is a third, whereas the strands are uh, make up two thirds. And the the answer is that even though we have halachot and even though we have stringencies and guidelines and a sayag for the Torah, a fence around the Torah, and all of these things that put boundaries around our tradition, that the customs and the minhag and the the familial additives and all of those things that come with practice of Judaism is so much more important than the halachot. And so when you look at your tzitzit, you're reminded. Shimshon Raphael Hirsch said that. Yeah. Are we sure he did? Yeah. Okay. That you're reminded that the halachot are important and that's why they have the Your tzitzit are not kosher unless you tie them in a certain way. So that's why they're important to it be there. Like yeah. But 
that the strands are to remind you that Judaism is also about creating it for yourself and that there's more of that than there is of the 613 meets vote and therefore halakha and therefore stringencies on our tradition. So I, I love that idea when it comes to also the wearing of tzitzit, that if you don't wear a talis or if you don't wear a talit katan and therefore don't wear tzitzit, um, that there are other ways that you are expressing your Judaism that can be extremely halachic or can otherwise be just expressive. Um, and both are wonderful. A halachic. Yeah, sure. A halachic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was a really beautiful teaching that I hadn't thought of until we went down this rabbit hole, but. That is really beautiful. Are we sure he said that? I, I trust everything that David Moss says. I will, I will not contradict David Moss, but. What was your cool teaching that you wanted to well, First of all, Sarah likes sardines. I'm so glad she let us know. She texted me to let me know. She likes sardines. Good. Um, even though she's Spartic, that is her, pref- that is her preferred fish. Preferred, preferred fish. Mm-hmm. Although the first time she saw Gefilte fish, I'm very confused. Although now she'll eat it in case you're worried. I, w- I wasn't, but that's good to know. Um, are you ready for the Gematria fun of the evening? Oh, Gematria. Gematria fun. Rebashats. What is it's plus the strands. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Rabashat? What is how much is tzitzit? So it's so sadi is eighty plus ten, which is no ninety. Ninety. Sadi is ninety. Sadi is ninety. Sadi kuf. Oh yes, you're right. Sorry, sorry, kuf is a hundred. Yeah, very good. Don't know my alphabet. Sadi is ninety, and yud is ten. So together that equals a hundred. So plus the other tzadi and the other yud, that is 200, plus taf, which is 400, which is 600. And Very then, good, Rabbi and Shots. Then, and then you plus, get an A plus in math for and today. And then plus the strands and the knots, you then get 613. Right, because there are eight on each. It doesn't really work because technically well, there's, the strands. there's, well, there's four tzitzit and you only do it with one of them, so it works. But there's eight threads and five knots so Correct. eight plus five plus 600 boom shakalaka as they say uh you have 600 so when you look at each one of uh your tzitzit you can be reminded of the mitzvot because there you have it 613 even though to totally blow that up it's impossible for any one jew especially in 2021 to observe all 613 commandments uh, Still try. <laughs> <laughs> try anyway. You're destined to fail. <laughs> Rabbinic Judaism. One on one. Is that is that good? Yeah, that is that, that inspiring? Is that your groovy thing? Is, no, that wasn't my groovy thing. Oh. It was just that was just uh, another groovy abyss, thing. Abyssal of gematria fun with a abyssal of gematria with fun a, with with a little Rabbi bit Shots of failed at it first with a, late with a, a little yeah. bit of of fatalistic rabbinic humor in there for you. Great. Um, we know how much I love Hasidic Judaism. That is true. Oh. That's not what I'm going into. Oh. Uh, we also know how much I love concordances. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And fine. So tzitzit, not a word that often shows up in our Holy Bible. Sure. The only place it shows up is in this paragraph, with the sole exception oh. of chapter 8 of 
Yechezkel, known to his anglicized friends and neighbors as Ezekiel, um, in a pretty trippy section of narrative, which... Mm. As everyone is listening, because all three of you know, I really (laughs) enjoy this kind of stuff. So Ezekiel had this vision, chapter 8. He says, there the hand of the Lord God fell upon me. As I looked, there was a figure that had the appearance of fire. From what appeared at his loins down, he was fire. He should probably see a doctor about that. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have good meds for that now, as opposed to what Ezekiel had going on back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an STD joke. I got it. Okay. From his loins up, his appearance was resplendent, so doing much better up top, uh, and had the color of amber. Uh, now, here we go. This is the actual oh, relevant part. God. Is that is this good? <laughs> was very Rabbi Chops is worried. Um, in verse 3, He stretched out the form of a hand and took me, and here it's translated as, by the hair of my head. Oh, wow. So tzitzit are strands. Exactly. There, as it was like tzitzit on a garment. Exactly. A spirit lifted me up between heaven and earth and brought me uh, in visions of God to Jerusalem. So wow. first of all, right? So first of all, just like writ large. What the heck is going on? But okay, yeah. <clears throat> first of all, writ large, what the heck is going on? It's Ezekiel. Yeah. He, you know. Take Nach with Rabbi Dr. Avi Habib. There you go. There you go. He, uh, Ezekiel was having a good time. Um, so first of all, what the heck is going on? Second of all, always interesting when words don't show up all that frequently in Tanakh, right? Particularly here, particularly in the way it's clustered so that um, it shows up a couple of times in these verses that we read and just one other time in Tanakh and, and, and here it is, right? So there's something yeah. to clearly something going mm-hmm. on here, right? Because presumably Ezekiel or whatever, or whoever was speaking through Ezekiel knew the Torah, Right, right. Right, knew the Torah, right? Like, if this word is being used here, yeah, it's, so it's being used for a reason, right? It's, yeah. it's being used to evoke some kind of connection with what was going on mm-hmm. in those verses, right? You heard it in the translation. It's translate took me by the, by the hair of my head, right. like the, like the fringes of my, and, and what's happening here is this, this divine presence sorry divine presence you don't have any stds you're doing great this divine presence that that like pulls ezekiel up into this like heavenly vision what what is the medium through which that's happening it's through Mm -hmm. that seat seat of his head Mm -hmm. right with like so it's translate his hair Mm -hmm. is it hair is it what but whatever's going on there um, it's also really interesting, based on that Shimshon Raphael Hirsch piece, right, that yeah. tzitzit would be so much more so the strands than the knots, when right. really we think about the knots as being right. kind of where the meaning is. Yeah, yeah. But so mm-hmm. this idea of the fringes as being that medium through which the prophet is then pulled yeah. into this vision mm-hmm. of heavenly splendor right yeah, yeah. Of, of whatever of, of divine presence um it, it's just very interesting when we think about 
what these fringes are, yeah. the way in which it, it, this, <laughs> this totally, you know, goes in the other direction of what I was saying in terms of it having like a very practical, sorry, Bonnie, very practical application in terms of how it can ground our spirituality. Right. And now it's in some ways going in the opposite direction. Right. But, but I do think they're, they're connected, right? That, the the seat seat of his pet right so we'll say the hair which will sort of midrashically then link right with with the seat seat themselves and that's what makes it possible for him to have this spiritual experience but i do think right that 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 even something that grounds us in a very physical way is then in turn something that can hopefully elevate us up right and and bring us to a different vision or understanding mm-hmm. of the holy in the world and that sort of like pulls us up right out of the way in which we usually yeah. uh, experience things to be able to have a, a different level of of experience or connection or a sense i love that the holy that's so. very good that's what i can find oh, that's a that great for now that's a great piece to end on i think because it's a nice way of thinking about it as like both the thing that we use in today's day as like an actual physical reminder, but also the way in which it can be seen as something like metaphorical and spiritual and how we connect to the prayers that we're saying with it on. So with that, from Sunday into your Friday and beyond, (laughs) we say a early or a right on time Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. Shalom. And um, I guess I'm actually not around the next couple of weeks on Zoom with you guys. So I'm taking a couple of weeks off yeah. to hang out with my parents. But don't worry, Rabbi Shot will be back. And let's be honest, folks, <laughs> you're probably in better hands <laughs> just with her. We'll have some guest appearances, maybe. We'll see what we can do. As always. And uh, I will be back, unfortunately, before you know it. And in the meantime, hope everybody stays healthy and well. Uh, and I'll miss you guys and uh, Shabbat Shalom Shabbat Shalom You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles If you enjoy these podcasts we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles go to tbala.org